Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. After seeing your last patient of the day, you hear on the car ride home about a new set of treatment guidelines for patients with type 2 diabetes. Before you even get a chance to read about it, you hear a second group has come forward denouncing these new guidelines and recommends a different set of rules in the management of type 2 diabetes. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Alan Ehrlich, Associate Professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and Executive Editor at Dynamed. Thank you for coming, Alan. Thanks, Frank. So we're talking about new guidelines for type 2 diabetes. Yeah, I heard that the American College of Physicians has uh, issued some new guidance. Can you elaborate on what, uh, what they're recommending now? So the American College of Physicians, very large organization, undertook an evaluation of what the best data is regarding the treatment of type 2 diabetes, and they did so using uh, a statistical method and a process where they looked at uh, all the published guidelines that were available, uh, many that you're commonly familiar, familiar with, and they tried to see if the best available data pointed us in a direction about how we should um, view treating type 2 diabetics. Their conclusions um, were pretty straightforward. There were four of them, and they're really informative but controversial. Well, what were they? Can you run us through them, Frank? Sure. So the first was that we should set individualized goals for our patients with type 2 diabetes and discuss the pros and cons, the risks and benefits and harms of pharmacologic therapy and also talk to them about their general health, their philosophy towards how long they want to live and how they want to live and also discuss some issues around the adverse effects of chronic type 2 diabetes that's not well controlled and the costs of their care. That sounds non-controversial. That's very, that, that was very well received. The, but, believe it or not, that's actually one of the sticking points uh, of the controversy. The second statement was that um, clinicians should aim to achieve a hemoglobin A1C level between 7% and 8%. And as you can imagine, that's a real departure from previous recommendations and is also quite controversial. Their third statement was that we should consider de-intensifying, which means less treatment of patients with type 2 diabetes who hemoglo whose hemoglobin A1C was below 6.5. The rationale here being that if you're getting them so low, you run the risk of inducing a hypoglycemic event. And we know that there's a real danger, an increase in mortality with, associated with hypoglycemia and very low A1C levels in type 2 diabetics. Their fourth recommendation was that we should become a little bit more patient-centered and realistic in how we treat patients with type 2 diabetes. They recommended avoiding even testing A1C levels in patients with limited life expectancy, which they defined as less than 10 years or being of age 80 or older. They also recommended that we become less aggressive or don't bother to check 
A1C levels in patients who live in nursing homes and have chronic severe conditions like dementia, cancer, end-stage kidney disease, chronic COPD, or severe heart failure. So that was their four statements. Uh, have, a, have a very personalized goal and a patient-centered discussion about treatment. Make your, goal, your A1C goal between seven and eight. Back off a bit in patients aggressively treated with lower A1C levels and uh, begin reducing the amount of testing we do on patients with limited life expectancy. Well, I can imagine that that last one probably wasn't the big focus of controversy. It's those middle two that sound like they would be a departure from what we're often told by our endocrinologist colleagues. What did the uh, American Academy of uh, Clinical Endocrinologists have to say about all this? Well, um, their take uh, was that, first of all, we're, we're the clinicians and that we should have those patient-centered discussions, but we should get to choose the aggressiveness to care, uh, less so than, than having the patient's uh, uh, personal opinions uh, play a great role. They're, 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 they really felt, though, as you said, the middle two recommendations were the most controversial. They felt that um, getting a hemoglobin A1C below 7 in their mind, lowered the risk of some of the microvascular complications of type 2 diabetes, and uh, liberalizing this, this, this level um, was going to actually have an adverse impact on patients. And um, they did qualify that by saying that they have very good data that if you take a newly diagnosed, highly motivated patient and aggressively uh, manage their A1Cs, they will have better outcomes. They, they didn't really talk about the patient who's got chronic type 2 diabetes that may or may not have been aggressively managed. Yeah, th that population, uh, while I, I hear that often described, the highly motivated new type 2 diabetic, I think, you know, there is a certain percentage of patients who fit that description. But I think there's a large segment of patients with type 2 diabetes who are getting this uh, partly as a, a, a basis of gaining weight over time and partly of just getting older and their pancreas becoming aging and, and being a little less effective. And these patients are often the ones who are more difficult to manage and maybe these less aggressive treatments make sense there. I, I think they, they, they do. I totally agree with, with de-intensifying uh, very aggressive A1C lowering, especially in a patient who's had the disease for, for more than a few years, because we don't have any data that shows it's beneficial, and we do have data that shows it's harmful. Likewise, um, I think everyone agrees that um, uh, taking a more civil approach to patients with limited life expectancy is, is the right way to go. Now, in the U.S., um, if you talk about not measuring a hemoglobin A1C on a type 2 diabetic, someone's going to worry about quality markers. Someone's going to worry about lo someone looking over your shoulder. Nonetheless, I think this guideline is a wonderful benefit to us because we can tell our patients who are over the age of 80 or have a, a life expectancy or, or have a chronic disease that's going to limit that life expectancy that we don't need to worry about that as much. Let's keep them safe and in particular screen for hypoglycemic events and maybe change some of their medicines. In particular, I feel like there are many good things about both the ACP guidelines and the AACE um, recommendations in contrast to it. They say, listen, focus where the disease is, which is really insulin resistance. The, um, the American Association of Clinical Endocrinologists 
strongly support aggressively treating our newly diagnosed type 2 diabetics with agents like metformin and the SGLT2 inhibitors as well as the GLP-1 agonists. Those three agents should probably be our first and second line approaches, which although they didn't say so, certainly means backing away from insulin, in particular short-acting insulin. As you pointed out though, if their pancreas has, has failed, you may need to add insulin as well. But for the newly diagnosed patient, I think we now have some agreement on a clear approach. So when I'm working with a patient with diabetes, how would you suggest I focus my efforts? What's the most important thing to tell the patient? Well, I think we, the television, uh, all sorts of media, and us have for many years emphasized the A1C, and I think we need to redirect that. We should talk to them about healthy eating. We should talk a great deal about weight loss and um, aerobic exercise. If they want to lose weight, they should combine aerobic with some resistance training, and then use agents that are going to help patients get to the endpoints that we consider important not necessarily a hemoglobin A1C level, but rather a healthy weight and uh, uh, a very reasonable A1C goal. Sounds good, Frank. Alan, I think this is, there's more agreement than disagreement here, despite the controversy. I feel comfortable liberalizing and making an A1C goal of seven and eight, and I think refocusing our efforts on proper health is ultimately gonna lead to our best outcomes with our type two diabetics. This sounds very practical, and it sounds more, certainly more realistic than the way we sometimes uh, approach patient care. Thanks again, Alan. Practice pointer. Consider a hemoglobin A1C level between 7 and 8 for most patients with type 2 diabetes. Join us next time when we talk about the approach to acute sinusitis in the community-based setting. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the Resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME-accredited activities now available on PrimeMed.com. Thank you again for listening.